welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari. And MD. And today we have a guest. Hello. Uh, so could you introduce yourself a little and tell us something interesting? Three interesting facts about yourself. <laughs> okay, my name is Tian Westenberg. I'm gay. I'm acting chair of Leiden University Pride. I'm from South Africa. So Tian, we are here to discuss your thesis. So could you tell us a little bit of like what it's about? and why you decided to do it on that topic and maybe some of the hurdles that you faced doing it? Uh, yeah, um, so I've just completed a master in science uh, at Leiden University in political science, uh, focusing on nationalism. And I did my thesis topic on the transnationalism of LGBTQI identity and the effects thereof on uh, LGBT views on citizenship and nationalism. Okay, and for those who don't know, what is transnationalism? Um, it's the idea that your identity, at least your LGBTQI uh, identity, goes beyond the borders of the state that you're in, mm -hmm. um, that you actually feel uh, more connected to other LGBT uh, people in other countries than you do to the people in your own country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the idea for this topic came up shortly after the Orlando Pulse shootings in 2016. One of my Facebook groups uh, for my bachelor's studies at the time, uh, an LGBT user said, we're one community. And I found it very interesting that uh, a 19-year-old Dutch guy who, as far as I know, probably hasn't ever been to Orlando or to Pulse or has knew anyone there, still felt connected to a shooting happening across the world. Mm. And I thought, well, how and, and why? Uh, and that's what I decided to research. Okay. And so you did your research in the Netherlands primarily? Yeah. Uh, but did you have participants from all over the world? So yes, I had a survey which was disseminated <laughs> online. Um, so it was open to, to everyone around the world mm -hmm. and it recorded um, 66 nationalities. Mostly Europeans or? About a third of them no, about half of them were European, um, but there were five African nationalities and about six Asian nationalities and then um, North American, South American as well. Okay. You also did a qualitative part for your thesis. Yeah, I used both uh, quantitative and qualitative methods. Um, okay. For the qualitative, I used focus groups. Mm -hmm. So I asked people who were in the Netherlands uh, who could show up for the focus group to come. And even there, I had uh, diverse uh, nationalities, more European than anything else, but there was also an Australian uh, and someone who was um, half Ghanaian. Uh, so yeah, that was quite diverse. Mm -hmm. So what were your, your findings? Yes, okay, so uh, I did the survey, as I mentioned before. Um, I had 550 respondents, of which about 200 and... 50 were LGBTQ+, uh, um, and then I the survey measured five different variables to see whether people felt closer to LGBT people, whether it's a broader in their own country, or to their own nationals. And did you, did you have to design the survey yourself, or did you find it somewhere? Um, I used or adapted a survey uh, from Naomi Levi, mm -hmm. uh, because I liked the way she, uh, she used identity, not as... Um, two opposites, but as having e uh, certain degrees within an individual. Mm -hmm. so, Combination. Yeah. 
because a lot of the the studies that I read said, well, if you know, identity is if it's not this, then it's the other, and I was like, well, no, because you can be a citizen of a country and you can be LGBT. So if you're yep. more of a citizen, then you're less LGBT, and if you're more LGBT, you're less of a citizen. That no, there, there are layers of identity. Exactly, but this kind of thinking, one of the opposite, kind of feeds into uh, countries that will name, remain unnamed, yeah. where they say, if you're LGBT, you're not a citizen of this country. <coughs> Russia? Um, yeah, as I said, I'm going to remain un- uh, silent on the matter. Um, I won't. <laughs> but, uh, so I tried to, av- I wanted to avoid my research being used in that manner, so mm-hmm. I, I used uh, Naomi Levi's, mm-hmm. um, and I found uh, generally that when it came to the five variables that I was looking at. So they were um, life, uh, no, closeness, importance, life, warmth, and wonderful. Um, And in each of those cases, uh, LGBTQ uh, plus individuals felt closer to other LGBTQ plus individuals rather than to their own national um, Mm. compatriot. Mm. So that's the quantitative. You you can control with traits. Yes. People. Um, I mean, cis straight people. Yes. Uh, for the straight people, uh, the both values were um, there wasn't a statistical yeah. uh, difference. They didn't. Uh, there wasn't essentially a difference between yeah. how they felt. But in at least three of the variables for LGBTQ, there was a, an important mm-hmm. enough difference in the mm-hmm. figures. And so when you did the focus groups. You kind of did them to expand on what you already got. Yeah, so I wanted to see why why these numbers, why mm. they fell closer. And that's when uh, I came to the three different categories. Um, so I, had, uh, I divided the nationalities based on the amount of rights people had. Mm. So it was disconnection was uh, countries where the sexual identity is stronger than national identity because people are more likely to feel excluded from political participation and that their nationalism remains quite strong, which was quite a surprising find to find that even though they're excluded mm-hmm. from national discourse, their rights, they don't have any rights or they're being targeted by the... Uh, Majority? Yes, uh, well, <laughs> sometimes by the government itself, um, they still have a strong sense of nationalism, mm-hmm. which was kind of the opposite of what I expected to find. Mm-hmm. Then there was, on the other opposite spectrum was the dissociation, um, mm-hmm. So this was people from, for example, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. um, where their rights as LGBT people are f- quite firmly set. They felt that their sexual identity was more or less equal to their national identity, that there wasn't that much of a, of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt uh, pretty much involved politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but surprisingly, their nationalism was quite low. Okay. So they didn't quite feel as nationalistic about their country. Mm-hmm. The middle section was sort of the the tricky part, and this is where um, countries like France came in, where mm-hmm. LGBT rights exist, but they're not either fully expanded upon, or they're still new enough that there's this fear that they might go away. Um, and in that case, again, sexual identity uh, manifests strong, um, stronger than national identity, mm-hmm. um, and people people are also more likely to be politically involved specifically on LGBT issues. So their LGBT issues inform their political participation. Um, And for them also nationalism was quite strong. 
So it wasn't the case in the countries like the Netherlands. It wasn't the case that um, LGBT people necessarily made their political decisions based no. on no. on their identity. No, interesting. Is there another country, or the, I mean, there's the Netherlands that in that situation, but is there another other country in that situation that where the dissociation situation? Um, there was also Denmark. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, um, but. See, the thing with France, for example, is mm-hmm. you have people like Marine Le Pen, yeah. um, who, I, I know, <laughs> I know, who in one breath will say, we need to protect uh, the, our gays, yeah. and in the other breath says, but we, wanna, we don't want to give them uh, marriage rights. Yeah, mm. but also because it's uh, internal dissension within her, which doesn't exist anymore because yeah. she, they split with the, but yeah. But yeah, but it's things like that yeah. that's still sort of like, there's no political party in the Netherlands that says we need to get rid of gay marriage Mm -hmm. um, because essentially even the straight people will go I don't think so Mm. Um, I mean there might be one or two in the fundamental Christian parties but they're not big enough to make waves yeah and and they're not Catholic so marriage is not the same yeah yeah the institution and the church and everything is not not, the same yeah Yeah. it's not as strong in the the institution yeah than in in Catholic countries yeah Yeah. Catholic, Catholic culture yeah and what about, I mean, what you said also, because we have a lot of listeners from the U.S., yeah. so the U.S. sounds like that middle category as well, where, you know, yes. we, given what we see on the news, because we don't live in the U.S., <laughs> a lot of people actually make their political decisions based on the rights that they might actually lose, yeah. um, or, or fighting for their rights, like, you know, um, marriage in all 50 states, like uh, Planned Parenthood, you name it. I would, I would definitely put uh, the United States in the transition category. Mm-hmm. Um, going either way basically um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there will also, there will also be differences depending on the on the state people living in the in yes the yes what i did find which was very interesting was i looked at um specifically uh lgbt of color mm-hmm. um versus lgbt oh, yeah. or uh, white lgbt mm-hmm. um what was interesting was i used a certain question mm-hmm. uh which was based on ident- identity orientation, which, as we talked before, I didn't want to put identities as dichotomous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, this question was designed to put them as, mm-hmm. just as to give a general feeling. Mm-hmm. And for all the groups that I've checked, there was no difference, mm-hmm. except for LGBT of color, especially from America. Mm-hmm. There was a massive difference where they would feel much closer to their LGBT identity than to their uh, national identity. Mm-hmm. Um, which shows that there's a massive disconnection there mm-hmm. between uh, LGBT of color and uh, yeah, American citizens. They feel like they feel rejected on all on all accounts. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is one area that I would love to to do more research in or to 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 find out more um, mm-hmm. because it's just to see. I mean, the numbers was was, was such a big difference that I was like, what? I'd like. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I don't believe we we talked about this on the podcast, but we have noticed this also in our practice as psychologists is that specifically in the United States, the relationship towards race and the attitude towards race is quite different to what it is in in Europe. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that Europe isn't racist. God knows it is, but in a different way. way yeah. um, yeah. And the attitudes towards race are very different even though some countries have had that dark past that is still entrenched in, in you know, horrifying things being done to people of color. And it, yeah, it's, it's also very interesting to see how historically LGBT people of color in America were the ones who led the vanguard yeah. 
um, in their country. And then were systematically excluded mm-hmm. when yeah. white LGBT took over. Well, white LG took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that can that kind of history can yeah. definitely contribute to the numbers that I've been seeing. Okay. And did, did you control? Did you see a difference depending on the sexual orientation? That or did you not? I check did not. That? Uh, yeah. I did not look at that so much. And generally, bi people always have the worst situation in absolutely all yeah. surveys. <laughs> I didn't look at that. I looked at LGBTQ plus as a whole. I didn't look yeah. at that. But what I did find was, out of the two hundred and fifty uh, LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, plus respondents that I had, ninety eight were bi. Mm-hmm. There were twenty five gay, uh, twenty seven lesbian, um, and the rest were a mixture of queer, pan, trans. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least 98 of them were so one fourth more third even yeah third yeah okay. maybe yeah the lg was uh, is actually the lg of the uh, lgbt is actually like <laughs> in the minority yeah in the minority. yeah it was yeah which is uh, which is uh, the 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 stats that we have generally yeah but about when we talk about sexual orientation mm-hmm. like uh, like at least half of lgbt people are actually bi or a pan i mean mm-hmm. non non monosexual orientation at least half. So, I mean, that's very, that's coherent. Yeah, out of my respondents, um, 300 were straight. Um, uh, 900, uh, 98 were bisexual, 29 were gay, 29 were pan, 28 were queer, 26 were lesbian, 25 were asexual, um, 10 preferred not to say, and 4 were other. And so, going back to what you mentioned about the countries that you know, reject um, LGBTQ rights or basically don't have them because that's kind of a personal topic for me as well. Um, But you said that still these countries retain some sort of sense of nationalism. Mm. So my question is, you may not know that, you may have heard it in the focus groups that you organize maybe, but what informs that nationalism then if these people don't feel connected to to their country identity-wise, then why are they still so supportive of it? Are there any circumstances that bolster that? Or? It's Of course, it's always hard to generalize mm. because the focus group was a very contained mm. uh, scenario. Um, but the things that I were hearing was the desire to, to better their country, mm. to say, you know, accepting LGBTQ uh, plus rules can only improve our country. So we want to do that so we can improve the country for everyone because there might be uh, young people... Um, that are suffering. We all know that uh, LGBTQ youth are the most vulnerable. Vulnerable to, for example, things like suicide or mm-hmm. um, attacks, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's this desire. Again, it ties into you would like to protect um, other LGBTQ members of the community, mm-hmm. um, and by doing that, you also improve the country. So you kind of comes back round to 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 nationalism. So it's more of an activist type nationalism rather than raw, we're from that country and it's the best country in the world. Yes, and yes. It's more proactive. Yeah. Okay. And do you think that the fact that you, the people who are in the Netherlands, living in the Netherlands, studying in the Netherlands, um, that it might have influenced things? Because for, for what we've, we've seen and experienced, um, it's true that a lot of um, LGBTQ people who are here in the Netherlands actually feel much better here than in their home country when it's not an accepting country because... The Netherlands has a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of issue here, but it's better for queer people here than in, in yes. most countries. So people who go here and queer generally appreciate it uh, more. 
So do you think that phenomenon might have skewed your results a little bit or at least inf um, influenced perception the people you were interviewing? Um, yeah, definitely. I think having been exposed to the way things are in the Netherlands, um, mm -hmm. they would definitely would like to see that translated to their home country. Mm. Um, which definitely could uh, give an increase into the, the nationalism that I measured. And do you think it made it easier also for you to gather that data? Because, I mean, personally, I find it very difficult to believe that a queer person would be able to freely come mm. to a focus group like that if it were announced and be completely at ease with expressing such things in a country like, say, uh, Ukraine or Russia or or an Arab country. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you think that that made it easier for you as well? Yes, definitely. Um, I was very worried um, mm. about my thesis topic mm. when I proposed it because quite out there um, and some people can remain conservative when it comes to research topics, especially in the uh, political science mm. arena. Um, but I was very lucky that I had a non-binary uh, thesis supervisor who supported me uh, all the way. And I think having been in the Netherlands where it was, it's okay to be gay, uh, which I hate that phrase because, like, yes, um, it rhymes, but that's about it. Uh, it it's a good catchphrase. It's a good catchphrase, but yeah, what it means is... Yeah, um, but that kind of allowed people to, you know, I was able to openly put out calls for... for uh, participants and mm. participants could respond and I did of course uh, give them the opportunity to remain anonymous in mm. fact I didn't use any names in my thesis uh, for that mm. purpose um, because you never know if people want to be identified or not but it did give them the opportunity and the I'll say the courage but being here kind of meant they were more free mm. if I had to do this kind of research in for example the Ukraine like you mentioned uh, I don't think I would have had many responses from people wanting to participate, at least not openly. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, and it, are you planning on publishing? I am planning on publishing. I'm working to, to I'm working on the draft now to sort of condense it uh, a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but I'm hoping to have it published soon. Okay, great. Well, we look forward to reading it. I think it's it's from from a mental health perspective. Mm. It's very interesting because I mean it does fit what we see in therapy of people struggling more when they come from countries where, where <laughs> acceptance is really mm. not a given. Uh, but also, it's a resource. We know that social support is essential when you build a positive LGBTQ identity, which is protective. Yeah predictive factor against mental health issues and that this idea that you can benefit from that international, transnational yeah. uh, support system yeah. in a way, it's very important. Yeah. Because um, during the course of my research what I also found was a lot of countries had incorporated homophobia into their national identity. Mm. For example, one example that I found quite concrete, concretely was Latvia. <laughs> um, when Latvia became independent from the USSR, mm -hmm they had a declining population. Yeah. Um, and basic economics tell us, uh, if you want to stick to the capitalist system, if you want to keep going, you need a growing population because mm -hmm. you need more people to pay taxes, you need more people to keep going. So one way to defend that, or to increase that, to is babies. to make mm -hmm. babies. Um, you can also see this translated uh, from Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my focus groups person pointed out that 10 years ago, uh, I think their home minister or one of the government officials had the slogan, 
all Australians uh, should have three kids, one for mom, one for dad, one for the nation, to increase the birth rate. So this concept of a good citizen produces more citizens gets translated into national identity, which means if you are LGBTQ+, plus or a woman who can't have children, a woman who chooses not to have children, you somehow are a second-rate citizen because mm -hmm. you are not producing. We've seen this recently in Japan where they've come out and said, well, why should the, country, why should the state uh, pay for mental health services for LGBT mm -hmm. or um, give them other benefits when they, do, when they are not productive? By making children. Reproductively. It's, it's, and it's really... I mean, it, it only can only make me think about those darker hours, even in, in France during the during the war in the Vichy regime. That was like famille of Thai, famille patrie, which is like you know work, family, and yeah. and fatherland, yeah. and 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 because you needed to make more children, and so the Nazis as well was just about making more and more and yeah. more Aryan children. Yeah. yeah, it's really not a good path. I mean, from my perspective, I can only say that, you know, as there is a war right now in Ukraine, people are dying. Surprise, surprise, it's a war. And people are getting displaced. And so this year we had a pretty big pride parade, mm -hmm. which was protected by the police. There were virtually no incidents, which was, for us, virtually no incidents <laughs> is a very good name. Um, but still, you know, there was this sentiment of why should we, why, why are these people protected? Why are they allowed to take over the city center for one afternoon on a Sunday um, because, you know, our boys are dying for their perversion. That was kind of the 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 uh, narrative. Um, thankfully, a lot of younger people were like, you know, this is bullshit. <laughs> and recently this article came out about a soldier in Ukraine, a gay soldier who spent several months on the front lines and he talked about his experience as a gay man um, there in, you know, fighting against the enemy. And so, it the the fact that LGBTQ plus people are seen as unproductive, um, in in the na nationalist sense is complete bullshit. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I totally you, agree. You can you can do more than just have babies. Yeah, um, and so you can still have babies even though not biologically with your romantic partner. Also, there's like tons of children who need to be adopted. Yeah, so. <laughs> Well, in any case, um, thank you for talking to us mm, about your thesis. Thank you for thesis. inviting me. And uh, if you do publish it, we will link it uh, on the podcast later. And uh, we can also like just remember to all take take advantage. It's not like the best wording, but to enjoy that feeling of belonging that we can have in a transnational way. Yeah. Because sometimes we just don't forget about it. Mm. You, you talked about the pulse uh, that as a starting point, but there was the um, the what happened in India. Uh, yes. Recently, with with the legalization of um, non-straight sex, mm -hmm. uh, and those are also very nice moments that I think individually we should enjoy yeah. because it's it's good for us. Yeah, I remember yeah. when you told me you were smiling, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's great." I don't know anyone in India. <laughs> yeah, I do, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like, yeah, now that you mention it, it's yeah. yeah. But th that's the whole the whole idea that yeah. we get these news from countries that we might never so, have been that we don't know from, and yet we can celebrate with them as well as mourning in our shared tragedies because we have an identity that connects us beyond the borders of the state that we're in. Yeah, let's hope that there's more celebrations than tragedies. I yeah. hope so too. <laughs> and then take the positive because we need that to, yes. to, um, to build our identity to, as a support for all of us. Yeah. Okay, well, send us an email, <laughs> follow us on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh,